Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Spirits are hard to explain, they're hard to understand, and I think most people are pretty reluctant to talk about them. You've got the sceptics who say, if you can't see it, then it's not real. You've got the believers who even have visions from the spiritual realm or just kind of feel it. The Bible makes it abundantly clear there is a spiritual world beyond what we physically experience, a world of both good and evil. Chris Vallotton claims these encounters are actually more common than we think. Spirits can and do affect our lives. Chris was for years tormented by spiritual assaults. Confused and overwhelmed, he contemplated taking his own life until he realised his problems were spiritual. Since overcoming that fear and uh, torment and all those experiences, he now shares messages of hope and freedom. He's a pastor at Bethel Church in California in the United States as a co-founder of his School of Supernatural Ministry. An intriguing title, an interesting discussion ahead. Chris Vallotton, welcome to Open House. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Great to have you. Chris, movies like Harry Potter clearly open up this spiritual realm. So why do you think it is that people find it such a challenging notion in real life? Well, I think that most people are aware that there's a dimension that lives among us that is very experiential, even though it can't be seen. Christians are sometimes the most unaware people that we don't inhabit, but we cohabit this planet, that we actually live with other beings on this planet, that they just live in another dimension, you know. When they see movies like Harry Potter, it touches something in every human being that says that, you know, that stuff right there that looks like entertainment, when I watch that on the screen, it makes something alive in me. Not necessarily, you know, Harry Potter does it make it positively alive in me, but it touches a string that says, that feels real. I think that people are hungry. They're tired of religion, but they're hungry for spiritual stuff. And yet the spiritual can often seem a bit kind of freaky or weird, and you're afraid of what people might think of you if you start to talk about this realm. Yeah, and yet Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, Brethren, I don't want you to be unaware of the spiritual. Paul is exhorting us to understand the spirit world. And I think that we realize that we got saved, we got born again, we got born by the spirit. And then everyone who's led by the spirit are sons of God. And, you know, the the list just goes on and on and on. Like, we were saved into a spiritual world. When we became a new creation, obviously I looked in the mirror the day after I was saved, and I, I didn't look any different. But God said, I'm a new creation. So when I received Jesus Christ, that opened up the spiritual dimension to me. I can ignore it, but if I ignore it, I can become a victim of the invisible man. And suddenly, the demonic realms have an influence in my life. So the truth is, is that you're going to be influenced by spirits. Either you're going to be influenced by the Spirit of God. We might say, you know, we have a spirit guide. People are like, that's New Age. No, our our Holy Spirit guides us. (laughs) Or we're going to be influenced by evil spirits. And, you know, it just depends on where we tap into and, and, and how we understand that that realm opens to us. Which you say are just as real. And as I said, you've had a powerful set of experiences in this spiritual realm in your own life. Can you tell us how and when that all started for you? I received Jesus when I was 18, and I had a radical experience. So I was definitely, it changed my whole life. Um, I had an audible voice speak to me when I was 15 years old. 
and tell me his name was Jesus Christ. So I searched for him for three years, and I finally came into a living relationship with Jesus, and my whole life turned around. And then at 22, I had a nervous breakdown, and what some would term a nervous breakdown, and it happened by, I just I got out of the bathtub one day, and my wife was eight months pregnant, and as I was getting out of the bathtub, I had this thought, I'm going to die. You know, every human beings have thoughts, well, you know, I'm going to die, someday I'm going to die, I, I better get a life insurance policy, I'm not going to live forever. But this was like someone put a gun to my head and said, I'm going to blow your brains out. It was that kind of intensity. And I started to shake, and I started to sweat, and my heart started beating out of my chest. I fell back into the bathtub. I started yelling for my wife, who obviously was very pregnant. She kind of waddled into the bathroom with me screaming, I'm having a heart attack, I'm having a heart attack. And within about an hour, we got a hold of my doctor, and within about an hour, he convinced me, you're not having a heart attack, you're having a panic attack. And I lived with those kind of panic attacks for more than three and a half years. We moved from the city to a little uh, country community way up in the mountains, 900 people in it, to try, so I could try and get well. And instead, I start, I got worse, and I, uh, demons started showing up in my room. I mean, I would see them with my eyes. I sweat profusely. I shook all the time. I couldn't get a glass of water in my face without using two hands. I shook so bad. And then um, I couldn't sleep, so I would lay next to our old stereo and listen to talk shows in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep. And this man on the radio said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound mind. And, of course, I've, I knew that verse well. But he said this after that, after, after quoting that verse, he said, Some of you think you're going insane. But he said, The truth is, is that you're listening to a spirit of insanity. And the way that evil spirits talk to you is by giving you their thoughts. Man, I turned off the radio, and that was like Jesus Christ standing right in front of me and saying, that's what's wrong with you. So I was laying on the floor on my back, and I said to Jesus, what should I do? And he said, tell the spirit of insanity and tell the spirit of fear to leave you. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I've been doing this for three and a half years, so it can't be that easy. But I said, you spirit of insanity and you spirit of fear, you leave me right now in Jesus' name. And when I said that, it felt like, you know, when you go to the... When you go to the dentist and they put that, that lead kind of vest on you, that weight, it felt like a physical weight got off of me. All my capacities came back. My shaking stopped. All my symptoms were gone. And for a solid week, I had no symptoms. I spent the next three years, you know, learning how to stay free. So I got free in just 30 seconds, and I learned to stay free over the next three years. Can you explain to me in words the difference between that new life and the life that you'd known for those years? I couldn't hold a thought. I couldn't carry on a conversation with somebody for any length of time. I couldn't concentrate. I lost 30 pounds. I couldn't keep food down. I sweat the bed wet every night. I was afraid of everything. I was afraid to leave the house, even though I did go to work. It was nuts. I couldn't think. And in 30 seconds, I went from that to total peace. Like, I would have visions 30 times a day of, you know, killing my children, raping somebody. I mean, they would just come in pictures. It felt like I couldn't stop them. And suddenly that was just all gone. Yeah, it was like being born again again, except for I was already a Christian. Had you never thought before that this might be a problem in the spiritual realm? Well, see, I was taught that a Christian 
could be mentally ill, but a Christian could not be demonized. So I was taught out of my solution. Now, I don't believe a Christian can be demon-possessed, by the way, but I do believe that a Christian could be demon-oppressed. That's why Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter 6 that we are to put on the full armor of God. I've heard people say that when I receive Jesus that the devil cannot influence me. Well, if that's true, what do I need armor for? On Open House, we're with Chris Vallotton, the author of the book Spirit Wars. It was all such a powerful experience that from then on, you are fiercely determined to help other people find the kind of freedom that you had discovered. Well, I began to realize over the next three years after I got free that angels and demons travel at the, at the speed of thought. I started to understand that a demon in a Christian's life, and I want to emphasize a Christian's life, is not the problem. It's the symptom. And when I opened the door to that realm by, for instance, jealousy, fear, bitterness, unforgiveness, oh, here's a big one, self-pity. When I open the door, when I am jealous of someone, like Saul was jealous of David in 1 Samuel chapter 18, it says an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. So when I have bitterness or envy or jealousy or unforgiveness or hatred or self-pity, those kind of attitudes open up the door to the spirit realm. And what began as something natural, jealousy, it's natural, becomes something very demonic. And so I learned that when I kept those doors closed, I had peace in my life. But when I opened those doors, I suddenly became a captive or a prisoner. You have a PhD in dealing with fear, oppression, and anxiety. That's true. And you also have that powerful personal experience. How have you combined the two of them, the academic and the personal? My academic comes from my personal. I studied that realm to learn how to stay free. So for me, it wasn't like, hey, you know, I think I'll go get a degree. For me, it's like, okay, how do I find peace? And I began to learn and grow and study everything I could about how to stay in complete peace. Like, when I lose my peace for an hour, I go back that hour and I go, okay, where did I lose my peace? Oh, yeah, I really got angry with Johnny. I really started to, you know, accuse him in my heart. And that opened the door for this torment thing to come into my life. So it's important that we learn how to keep those doors closed. It's important that we keep short accounts with ourselves. And it's important that we realize that whenever we're not living in peace, we're not getting what Jesus paid for on the cross. You know, if we're trying to help somebody get free or help ourselves get free, what's the first thing we do? Well, first thing we do is we realize that this spirit is not my problem if I'm a Christian. So the second thing we do is we say, what door did I open that allowed this spirit access to my life. If I'm working with a person who's, you know, tormented in some way, I begin to pray, and I just ask, Holy Spirit, show me what, what doors open. And I just begin to ask the person, like, do you have any unforgiveness? Maybe the Holy Spirit shows me that they have unforgiveness for their father. You know, I don't accuse them. I say, how's your relationship with your father? I hate his guts. I'm like, okay, well, how's that working out for you? Well, let me tell you, that you hating your father has opened a door for this torment, and that's why you're in my office right now talking to me. That's why you feel like you want to kill yourself, or that's why you're depressed, or that's why you're having anxiety attacks, because your hatred for your father has opened the door 
to the negative side of the spirit realm for you to be influenced by demons. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk you through forgiveness. You're going to forgive your father. You're going to release him from punishment. And after you get done doing that, we're going to make that spirit leave. Because as soon as I take away the reason why that spirit gets to stay, I can, by the power of God, make that spirit leave. And how do you explain the verse in the Bible? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I think the verse is self-explanatory. It's like Jesus Christ died on the cross to set me free. He took away all authority from the devil. So Matthew 28 says, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. If Jesus has all authority, that means the devil has none. And then he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus says, I have all authority. I give all authority to you. And then he says, I've given you power over all the power of the enemy. So the word authority in the Greek is, is the word exousia. It's kind of like the badge on a police officer. And then the word power is the word deutimus. It's like the police officer's gun. So the Lord says, I've given you all authority, and I've given you all power over all the power of the enemy. What's that mean? The enemy has a little power. He has like a knife. We have like an atomic bomb. And he doesn't have permission. He doesn't have a badge. He doesn't have permission to use that knife on me unless the the one who has authority gives him authority. So the only way the enemy has permission to have any kind of influence in my life is when I say, come and mess with me. Because the devil has no authority. He only has some power. The only way he gets to use his power is when I deputize him. When I say, you're the sheriff in town, you go ahead and lock me up in prison. And so... It's for freedom that Christ set us free. And in order for us to stay free, we have to stay whole. In order for us to stay whole, we have to make sure that we don't believe lies, that we live in the forgiveness that Jesus Christ bought for us, and we have to make sure that what we freely receive, we freely give. So we freely receive forgiveness. We didn't deserve it. We didn't get into the kingdom by our works. We got in through his. And so it's important that when somebody does something against us, We freely receive forgiveness, and it's in our power to freely forgive them. And when we do that, we keep ourselves free of deputizing the enemy to intrude into our lives. And I'm sure as you've seen that work through people's lives, it's an utter transformation in their lives and liberation. Yes. I remember this one in particular where this lady was, um, she had run out of a meeting, and she was banging her head up against the wall in our church, and she was scratching at the wall, and She was totally out of her mind, totally tormented, looking like grand mal seizures. I was sent out to go help, and when I got out into the hall, there was about 15 Christians, and they were all yelling, In the name of Jesus, come out of her. They were screaming at her, (laughs) screaming over her. And I I walked up, and I said, What are you guys doing? Like, we're getting her free. I said, Well, it doesn't look like you're winning. And so they said, one guy goes, Well, if you can do a better job, do it yourself. I'm like, all right. So I got down on the floor. She was beating her head against the wall. And I got down on the floor, and I put my arm around her, and she was trying to bite and scratch me. And, and I'm, while I have my arm around her, I'm thinking, does she have sin in her life that's opened the door to the enemy? And so I, I have my arm around her. I'm trying to comfort her, and I'm, I'm talking to her in her ear, and I'm just telling her, you know, the Lord loves you. You know, you're a good person. You know, we're going to help you. And then I had this thought that her father molested her. Of course, I'm not going to say that to her, but I said to her, what do you think about your father? 
she yells, I hate his guts. I hate his guts. I hope he burns in hell. And I said, um, well, you need to forgive your father if you want this demon to leave you alone. And she said, never. She started yelling, never. I'll never forgive him. I said, okay. So I got up, and I started to walk away from her, and then the rest of the people were standing like, what are you doing? I said, she doesn't want to get free. I, there's nothing I can do. She doesn't want to forgive. There's nothing I can do. So I, I started walking away, and when I get probably 30 feet from her, she yells, okay, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. So I go back, and, I, and you know she's still totally tormented. Put my arm back around her so she won't hit her head against the wall, and, and I start walking her through a prayer of forgiveness for her father, which was really, you know, it wasn't like, okay, I forget, you know, say this, I, you know, Dad, I forgive you in Jesus' name. There was nothing like that, you know. She spent five minutes trying to articulate that she forgave her father, and so we did that. And there was three or four more people like that that she just absolutely hated. And she forgave them openly. And then when she got done, I just told that spirit, you know, okay, you have no rights to this woman anymore. You leave her right now in Jesus' name. And when I said that, she just like, whew, she just relaxed. And she started laughing. And she started laughing and laughing and laughing. I said, what's going on? She said, I haven't been happy since I was a little girl. And she got completely free. And so, you know, and I could tell you story after story after story like that, where the person chooses to forgive, they close the door, we tell the evil spirit to leave, and the people are free for the first time in their life. What power. Chris Valaton, it's been a confronting and a challenging and mind-expanding conversation. Thanks so much for joining us on Open House. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity, and, and God bless you, and may peace be to everyone who... Here's this radio cast, this podcast. We hope you enjoyed this open house podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.